Morning. This Sunday we have the parable of the unforgiving servant. And the long gospel is pretty clear here. We sin and have problems forgiving other people who have sinned against us, even small sins. And yet God has forgiven us this massive debt, this massive amount that we have sinned against him. And so we really need to pray fervently because it's not something that we are going to be very successful doing on our own, but rather we need to pray fervently that the Lord would teach us to forgive as we are forgiven. And that, of course, is directly from the Lord's Prayer. Such an important lesson to learn. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The rabbis, the Jewish teachers, taught that you should forgive somebody three times. And they thought they were being pretty forgiving. We're not just going to forgive you once, but, you know, three times. And now here Peter comes and uh, he's been watching Jesus, learning to be even more forgiving. He thinks he's doing a really good job. He says, okay, I'll, I'll forgive my brother even seven times. You know, it's more than twice what the, the rabbi say I ought to do. And he probably expects Jesus to turn around, turn around and give him a pat on the back. Way to go, Peter. Way to be forgiving. But of course, uh, instead, Jesus... <laughs> makes it clear that his attempt was very paltry in comparison to God. Not seven times, but 70 times that, 490. And of course, Jesus isn't suggesting that we keep count and count up to 490 and then stop forgiving. But his point is that we should never stop forgiving. We should do it again and 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 again. Um, there's no way we'd probably be able to keep count up to 490. We'd lose count, and and that's that's really kind of the the point. And how how valid? How often isn't isn't it true that we come to God expecting praise from Him? Look at what a good job I'm doing. I'm I'm forgiving people seven times. Peter says, and so we often bring our works before God in the same way, thinking, "Whoa, what a good job I'm doing." And in God's sights, our works are nothing. They are worth less than nothing. Uh, the mirror of God's law shows us just how far the mark we have fallen, even when we think we're doing such a good job. My daughter, Kaylee, likes to do that. She tells us when she's doing a good job. She, um, she'll she do something and look up it up and say, good job, because um, she's used to us telling her that to encourage her, right? So she, she tries to tell us when she's doing a good job, and that's what we're like before God, trying to tell him what a good job we're doing, and and God's law shows us just how pathetic our attempts really are, even when we think we're being very loving. Verse 23, so Jesus tells a parable to illustrate uh, just how forgiving we ought to be. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Generally, we divide parables into two types, kingdom parables and morality parables. Uh, kingdom parables teach us about Jesus and, and show us what wonderful things he has done. They uh, help us to understand God in heaven. Morality pa parables are 
law-based. They tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. The Good Samaritan is, a, is an excellent example of a moral parable um, that we should help other people. The sower and the seed is a great example of a kingdom parable uh, that God reaches people's hearts through the preaching of the word. This starts out with that phrase, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like, but it really is more of a moral parable. Uh, certainly we see the wonderful grace and forgiveness of, of God and the uh, in the master who forgives that huge debt that we owe him and God for giving us our huge debt. So there certainly is some aspect of that. But the main thrust, the main point of the parable is teaching us how we ought to forgive other people. And so it's really more of a, a moral parable, but that nevertheless the gospel is certainly there. Verse 24, when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, a huge amount, and many people will value, say, well, what does what is a talent worth um, very differently? The, some conservative estimates say a talent would be worth about $1,000 today. Others say about 30000 So there's a, a wide variety there. A talent was the largest coin, the largest unit of measurement of the largest unit of money that existed at that time uh, in the world. So it was... It was it, it was a huge amount, uh, even if it was only worth a thousand dollars, that would still be ten ten thousand talents, which would still be ten million dollars. So uh, even at the smallest uh, measurement, it's it's a lot. But it is more likely it was closer to that thirty thousand uh, mark. Many people estimate it was worth twenty years' wages for a common man, and and twenty years worth of of wages would be far over even the $30,000, right? $30,000, that was one year's wage. So uh, that times 20 uh, would, would give you uh, 600,000 for just, just for the one talent. So we're, we're talking, you know, $6,000 million um, on, the, on the larger end. Regardless of how much it was actually worth or, or what conversion rate you really use, the whole point is that this is an impossible debt. Even at that smaller amount of 10 million, right? None of us could ever repay that. There are some people in the world today who could repay a $10 million debt, uh, but not any of us. And that's really the point. And that's what one of the reasons why I think that the 10 million is, is probably not a good estimate because I'm quite sure that what Jesus meant here is this, this is a debt beyond anything that anyone could ever pay, no matter how hard they worked. Uh, and so probably 600,000 million is probably probably closer to the mark of, of what Jesus was actually saying. Um, and so that's really the, the point that we need to drive home is the, that what we owe God is beyond anything that we could ever have any chance of repaying, no matter how hard we try. Uh, 10,000 talents, a huge amount. Verse 25, but as he was not able to pay, of course he wasn't able to pay. That's the whole point. There's no way anyone could repay this. But as he was, one wonders how he could have ever accumulated such a debt in the first place. And one wonders how we could ever have sinned this much against God. It doesn't seem like it from our life. Nevertheless, it's true. Uh, his, his master therefore commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave his debt. 
one thing I was going to mention before in verse 24, I don't know if the kids watch the um, DuckTales. <laughs> I know that DuckTales was a cartoon when I was a kid, and now they've re-released it, or they're, they're doing a, a new series of DuckTales. So if the kids watch DuckTales, you could compare that 10,000 talents to Scrooge McDuck's money vault there and all the gold in that vault. How long would it take you to repay that, to, to pay all that to God? But anyway, not able to pay it. He pleads for mercy, and God, the master, which is God, of course, forgives him everything. And what a wonderful message there. I mean, there's the gospel in the starkest terms. There it's the, the debt that we owe God, and God says to us, you are forgiven through Christ Jesus. The only reason that people don't rejoice more at the proclamation of the gospel, the only reason the church, our churches aren't, aren't full of people who want to hear uh, how God has forgiven us is that because most people don't really believe the law. Uh, even most of us who go to church don't really believe that we owe that much to God. Uh, we confess that we're sinners, but in our hearts we tend to think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I maybe sin every once in a while, but not that big of a deal. Uh, we just simply cannot comprehend because, because of our sinful hearts and because we live around other sinners and we compare ourselves to other sinners, we just simply cannot comprehend how great our sin truly is. It's been said that um, most people don't disbelieve the gospel. They have problems believing the law. And they have they have no problem believing that God loves them. Well, God's a good guy. He he loves everybody. Well, they're they're fine with that idea. But the idea that they really deserve to die eternally in hell that that's really what they deserve. That our sin is that great. Uh, that's something that that most people just really don't believe. And because most of us don't really believe the law, don't really believe how great our sin is against God, we don't really find that much joy in the gospel. All right, God's give, forgiven me a few sins here and there. That seems reasonable of God. I'm not that bad of a person anyway. That's kind of our attitude. Uh, if we, if God opened our eyes to truly understand all the sins we do each and every day, we would be far <laughs> quicker <laughs> and far more rejoicing uh, in church uh, to hear the, the wonderful news of, of the forgiveness of sins. What a great thing. The master was moved with compassion. Uh, when we confess our sins to God and plead for his mercy, he does indeed forgive us. Verse 28, But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. The worth of this second debt, the hundred denarii, is very often um, underestimated. Uh, there's a couple of books that say it's uh, that the denarii is worth a penny. So you're talking about a hundred pennies here. That's a couple dollars, right? Or it's actually one dollar. <laughs> um, others put it at like fifteen dollars. Something like that, and the, there's two reasons I think that this debt is under underestimated. Uh, one is simply because you know maybe 150 years ago or something, a denarii at the time of Christ was worth about a penny at that time. You know, a penny at one time was one day's wages. You worked all day, you got a penny, and you could buy a couple loaves of bread and some eggs and you know enough food for a day with a penny so i think years ago maybe a denarii was worth a penny and so at that time you know the 
scholars or theologians and the people who wrote the Sunday school book said, a denarii is worth about a penny. Well, years and years later, the people keep repeating that, a denarii is worth about a penny, without stopping to realize, well, a penny has gone way down in value since those times. And so it just gets repeated again and again. And the other reason I think people uh, undervalue this debt is because they're, they're trying to emphasize how great our debt of sin is to God in comparison. And so they, they think, well, we really show how small the debt is that other people owe us. But that's really not the point of the parable. Uh, we know that a denarii was a day's wages. It's not, to, to compare it to a penny is, is way off. Uh, a, a penny these days, anyway. A denarii was a day's wages. The scripture itself shows us that. If if a hundred denarii was only worth fifteen bucks, then then when Jesus told the workers in the vineyard that he paid them a denarii for a day's labor, there's no way, you know, there's no way anyone would go out and work in the field for a whole day uh, to receive uh, something that's. Um, what, like 50 cents, not even 50 cents, you know, one one hundredth of $15. You, you wouldn't even work all day in the field just for $15, much less for one one hundredth of that. Um, that idea that a hundred denarii is worth $15, that's, that's way off. <coughs> a denarii was worth... A denarii was what a worker was paid for one day's wages. So that's the easiest way to compare it to today's money. What does a worker generally get paid for one day's wage? Well, even if you're working for minimum wage, seven fifty, you work eight hours a day for seven fifty. That's sixty bucks uh, times a hundred. You're talking six thousand dollars at the least. It's not a small amount. Uh, this is a major debt. If somebody owed us $6,000, we would not be likely to just forgive it. If somebody owed us $15, okay, you know, no problem, just forget it. You're my friend, no big deal. Somebody owes us six grand, $6,000, that would be a hard thing to simply forget and move on with. And that is really part of the parable. We, we do the parable injustice when we underestimate the value of this second debt. Uh, I understand they're, they're trying to emphasize how great our debt is to God, but the point here is that some people do do owe us in that sense. They they have sinned against us very badly. Uh, you know, a, a, a husband cheats on his wife, right? That's, that's the level we're talking about here. So somebody has done something really, really bad. It's really seriously hurt us. Uh, they've sinned against us in a very real way. It's a, it's a big debt. Even still, it cannot compare to the sin that we have done against God. It cannot even begin to compare to the debt that we have against God. And so this this is this is a big debt. This is some somebody owes us big time and yet it's nothing compared to what we owe God. Uh, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, "Have patience with me and I will pay you all." But he would not and went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servants just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brothers his trespasses. 
You know, there are many times how when Jesus preaches the law in a way that really strikes at our heart. Uh, he talks about the sixth commandment and he says, you've heard from old, you shall not commit adultery. He says to you, I say to you, he who lusts after another woman in his heart, even thinking about it. And similarly, he says, you've heard from old that you should not commit murder. I say to you, he who hates his brother, he who is angry with his brother, uh, has sinned against this commandment. These, these, uh, preachings of Jesus really, you know, strike at our heart because we like to think, well, I've never murdered. I'm, I'm good to go on that commandment. And then Jesus kind of brings it home and says, well, even the thought of anger, that's the, the seed of murder. And that is a sin as well. But I don't think there's anything Jesus says in all of scripture that really strikes terror uh, in our hearts as much as this parable. Uh, Jesus really <laughs> brings it home when he says to us, if you will not forgive your brother, even though he owes you $6,000, even when he's sinned grievously against you. Not a little sin. This is a big sin. Uh, he's done something really, really mean uh, to you. He's really hurt you. If you will not forgive him, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. Uh, that's a pretty terrifying thought because we all know how much we struggle uh, with forgiving other people, especially when they've really seriously hurt us the, the way that Jesus is talking about in this parable. Uh, no one who truly understands the weight of their own sin against God and the fullness of, of God's forgiveness to us would, would ever do anything so ridiculous as to hold a grudge, refuse to get to forgive or even be angry with another person. No matter how great their sin is against us, it is nothing in comparison to our sin against God. And yet the problem is that we do do that because we do not really appreciate or understand what God has, has done for us. And we always have a but, don't we? Uh, no, no matter the fact that God, we, we hear this parable and we hear others that, that talk about learning to forgive and love. We pray the Lord's Prayer, to, uh, forgive those who sin against us, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, who sin against us. We pray the Lord's Prayer, but then we always come back with that but, 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 but. We always have some excuse why, in my case, it's different. I want some excuse why I, I don't have to forgive them. <clears throat> Their sin is too great. They haven't they refuse to change. Uh, they refuse to uh, tell me their story, whatever. We always have some excuse why, why we shouldn't have to forgive other people. And yet, um, God's word is <laughs> rather poignant and striking in this case, uh, that the greatest sin they've done against us is still not as bad as what we have done towards God. And so really, <clears throat> reading this parable, uh, we have <laughs> no other choice but to flee for refuge to Christ's mercy, to plead and beg him to forgive us yet again, even though we have trouble forgiving other people, and to teach us and help us to learn to forgive as uh, we are forgiven. And really, that's the, the heart of the, the fourth petition there in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as uh, we forgive those who trespass against us. And what we're really saying there is, Lord, forgive us all our sins and teach us, help us uh, to forgive others in the same way, because we're just not very good at it. Uh, this uh, this parable is, like I said, it's, it's very poignant, very striking uh, with the law. And so you know, we're going to need to make sure to really emphasize the gospel there as well and God's forgiveness and, and mercy to help us uh, to learn to forgive and ultimately to forgive our unforgiving attitude there, right? Uh, we need That's a, another sin we need to repent of. 
Um, but um, we shouldn't emphasize the gospel by downplaying the law. Um, we need to bring home the full force of that law, the full force of, of God's anger against those who refuse to forgive, uh, so that we even more fully understand God's mercy in forgiving us. Lord's blessings with your Sunday school lesson. Uh, let me know if you have any questions.